Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. So I'm here with one of my besties, Jackie Tig, like Tiger. Rawr. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is pretty hilarious because we're having, we're, this is a nighttime interview, which I'm excited about. Um, and we're okay. having wine. You're having a beautiful, like, um, Okay, let's, it came from a can, so don't. <laughs> but your glass, it's like Olivia Pope from Scandal. It's the big wine glasses. It's from um, Crate and Barrel. It's gorgeous. Well, I only got two, so there's an extra one for you when we, whenever we can be together again. Do you feel like a beautiful wine glass makes shitty wine taste better? 100%. I think so. And I think... a crappy glass makes good wine taste not as great amen so here i am drinking crappy wine <laughs> i'm drinking crappy wine out of a crap out of a sippy cup like i am not kidding i am right now drinking out of a sippy cup because my life my life is just covered in babies and right not, not other babies but we're with a bunch of cousins right now and there's kids everywhere we're staying in an rv and i had to crack a bottle of wine we're at michael's brother's house we're having right. a cousin hang time time mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't have a wine glass. I was like, well, shoot. I mean, I'm going to have to pour it in a sippy cup. You make do. You make do. So you have crappy wine in a beautiful glass. I have crappy wine in a sippy cup. But crappy wine in a sippy cup is still better than no wine at all. And see, that is why you make the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Just finding that, that silver lining. You got that deep, deep wisdom and knowledge. No, I probably stole it from some Instagram quote meme thing. No, you probably got it because you're a yogi. <laughs> right, that too. I mean, what is it like being a yogi? I mean, you're one too, so... No, but you're a certified yogi. Kind of. Um, honestly, I don't know. I think the wisdom piece of it comes with just life and... Um, immersion into, you know, different texts and things like that. I think that comes with, you know, beyond the 200 hour training. 
Um, I think the 200 hour training pretty much just kind of allowed me to focus on some of the fundamentals that we forget about in our, you know, regular practice that, you know, strengthening certain muscles in poses that we've done for years and years. And we've kind of forgotten those. We kind of just do it and forget that there's a foundation to it. Um, you probably have to think about how each different pose flows like truly it's called flow classes but like you have to work each part of the body in a different way and like think about which how to make your routine oh 100 percent, yeah constructing the whole flow together but I think for my personal practice what I took away from the experience was that I had leading up to that point, I was kind of just going through the motions for the most part, um, that I was just finding my way into a pose, but not really feeling like strong there. Um, and I kind of relearned just those fundamental things of like sucking your belly in towards your spine and like really pressing through the pads of your fingers, like really feeling supported in, in you know, something as simple as plank or um, you know, taking a chaturanga, some of those fundamental poses that you're what so familiar you, with. What did you learn about life? What did, what has yoga taught you about life? Um, I think I already knew this about it, but it just kind of reinforced for me that stepping onto my mat can completely change my mood and my day in a positive way. Um, and that the power of breath is just, is really powerful. Um, it can calm you know, scariest worries in the world just by inhaling and exhaling. And that's pretty amazing. It can um, calm your scariest worries in the world just by inhaling and exhaling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, are you able to transfer that? into like work life? Yeah. Um, I, I, fortunately, I don't think I let myself get super stirred up and worried about work things. I think it's more, you know, life in general, like the culmination of all of it. But yeah, I mean, stopping, breathing, calming yourself down, remembering that, you know, it's not the end of the world and there are so many blessings that we have and breath is one of them and just like chilling out, you know, and just the power of breath, which we all have access to, um, is just kind of a really cool thing. So give me like a technique for breathing. Like if you're like feeling stressed or whatever, is it just like during the practice or can you do it outside of the practice just in your daily life? Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's actually easier to do in your daily life and really feel that, that calming sense. But, um, tell me what you do. Say you're like stressing. So like inhaling for four, holding and exhaling. Yeah, let's do it. Will you lead us? Let's do okay. it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, Mary from the shop forward actually has a great breathing exercise on her Instagram that she does. It's not, I don't think it's exactly box breathing, but, um, and I might be messing up the counts and if inhaling and exhaling for four seconds feels like a lot for you, then you can, 
knock it down to three or two, make it, make it your own. Um, and then just work up to a higher number. Okay. So, would you um, but yeah, this, please okay. let's inhale for, for four seconds on your own count. Okay. Hold at the top and exhale for four and hold at the bottom. Inhale for four. Hold at the top and exhale for four. I mean, how often in your everyday life do you stop to just focus on your breath and take inhales and exhales with pauses of that length? Like, I certainly don't, unless I'm being really intentional about it. So, that yeah. changed my whole mood. It's like, if you have a monkey <laughs> on your back, it's like all of a sudden the monkey just like hopped off and now the monkey's just over there eating bananas and leaving me alone. Yeah, I mean, it can slow your heart rate down. And then obviously there's a ton of other things like kind of taking inventory of your body. Are you like shrugging your shoulders up to your ears and like holding all that tension? Um, you know, just a simple roll of the neck. Doing that right now, currently? Yeah. We forget, we forget to just stretch our body out. Like we just stay so tense and so every, every, all day we're like, go, 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 go. We have so much to do. Like got all this shit that we have to do. And so like, we just are so tight and tense and we're not breathing. We're stressed out and our brain is foggy and busy. And it's like, just take a second, literally four seconds and breathe and change yeah. your whole day. I mean, that's all you got to do. Totally. Okay, so like if we're gonna do, say we're gonna do a quick body scan, quick inventory. Like I think people need to know this stuff. This is a game changer for life. Like do your breathing. So breathe in four, hold at the top, breathe down four, hold at the bottom. And then if we want to do a quick body scan, what should we do? Um, releasing the shoulders from the ears. Um, noticing if you're pressing your tongue into the roof of your mouth, allowing that to release. Um, a lot of times we hold some tension in our jaw. So if you're somebody who tends to like keep your teeth together and your lips together, just like softly opening that up, like maybe making like a, an awe face, like, um, and then just a lot of times, like, I mean, with texting and typing, just opening your shoulders. So like, if you tee your arms out like goalposts mm -hmm. and just squeeze your shoulder blades together and shift your gaze up, kind of lengthening. Oh my God, that feels so good. Yeah. I mean, that feels great. And you can oh. do that. And like twists and stuff. I got to go to yoga. I haven't <laughs> been going to yoga in so long and my body is needing it. Like even this one little bit, I was like, why am I not in yoga every single day? Day. Like it is such a game changer for your life and your mood and your well being and your mental outlook. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's completely different doing it in the studio and doing it home, but I found a little groove here at home. Um, even just accessing like library classes that have been pre recorded. I tend to like the live classes more, just that human element of like this person can see me and, <laughs> and if I said like something they could respond. Um will you, do like Zoom? will you do like Zoom yoga classes? Um I haven't 
I was doing some on Instagram live, like at the okay, beginning okay. of all of this. Um, but our lovely mutual friend, Rachel Beauregard, um, has been doing zoom classes Mondays and Wednesdays at four thirty central time. And it's just, it's the best. It's like, she is a goddess and she brings such an amazing energy. And I just always, okay. Even I if there's class. Yeah. Even if there's a, I mean, cause we all have, you know, a handful of poses that we're like, dang it. Like just for whatever reason, we've assigned them like a negative connotation. Like I feel like in her classes, even when maybe one of those poses comes up, I'm just, I'm just more open to doing it and more accepting of like seeing where it goes on that on any given day. Um, she's just best. So she does zoom classes and that's how you're doing them. Yes, it's, so it's through our anyone student. that want to do it. Oh, so you like pay for, you actually are paying for a class and you, you get it through. Yeah. Your, it's like a, it's like a $10 drop in. Through situation. Hot Yoga East Nashville. Hot Yoga East Nashville. Do you sign up online? You do. And then they send you uh, the link. They send you a zoom code. Yeah. And like a password and then you're in. Oh my God. It's brilliant. It's, it's the best. I'm glad you're telling me that because I need some yoga in my life. After that little Nikki barking. I'm sorry. I'll close the door. You can. Oh no. Listen, I love dogs. Nikki is like six pounds and she is a <laughs> beast. She, she, uh, she was in here before trying to get in on the action. I'm sure. I'm sure the dogs across the street are barking or something. Okay, so I'm looking at your, where are you? What room are you in? What's that cool thing behind your bed? This is our office. Um, I'm on like a little love seat situation. And this is a mural, like a wallpaper mural um, that kind of gives me Yellowstone, like that vibes. Exactly I what I was thinking. I feel like we're on the Yellowstone farm, on the, not farm, on the Yellowstone ranch right now. On the ranch. Yeah. yeah it feels like Yellowstone. Great. <laughs> that was the, that was the goal. Tell me why you picked that for your backdrop. I'm always interested to learn why people decorate the way they do, like why they pick certain vibes. Um, because like, why did you want to feel what does the Yellowstone vibe make you feel? Obviously some sort of peace or serenity or calmness because you're looking at it every day in your office. So why did you pick that? Um, well, two reasons, three. Um, I kind of like for the rooms in my house to not match, but have a similar element. So like in my living room, I have, some shiplap and a cowhide rug and you know a steer head situation so there's like some tiny western vibes going on out there so i just kind of decided to echo those in here a bit um second reason is we just really liked the show yellowstone so, so good. i just went with it um and then third is uh, my boyfriend toddy who you know I love um, Toddy. Works like this is kind of his room where he likes to like get away and do his things. Um, so I was just trying to achieve a more masculine but warm vibe in here. 
Um, he loves like a, a Persian rug and he likes just kind of like warmer wood tones. So I was trying to achieve that with something that was also aesthetically pleasing to me. <laughs> I think you have um, succeeded. Thank you. Thank you. So something fun fact for everyone, since we were talking about yoga, um, before I got pregnant and had a sunny, I was addicted <laughs> to yoga. Like that's was my, my haven, my safe place. And Jack well, and I yeah. actually met at Hot Yoga East Nashville. Well, we and I don't even know that I would have gone through yoga training if you hadn't called me and been like, let's do this. I know. And I was so dead set on it. And then I got pregnant. I had so much anxiety about miscarrying that I totally backed out of teacher training after I convinced you to do it with me. <laughs> but I could have backed out at that point too. It wasn't, yeah. um, it wasn't like I got hoodwinked into it or anything like that. Um, I felt like a real turd. I felt bad about that, but I was like, I, I had so much anxiety. I couldn't, I, there's nothing I could do. And I get that. And it was a real time commitment and it was, it was tough on your body. And I know that they would have made, um, exceptions, exceptions for you. Yeah. To like practice in whatever form or fashion you felt comfortable in. Um, uh, given the fact that you were with child. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it didn't feel like it was your time, then it wasn't. And Whenever it is, you'll know. Dude, that's the yogi in you talking. You're so wise. You have so much. And, well, and there's such like cool options now. Like Brooke has done this. I think it's a multi-national. Yeah. Uh, she, hold on. My dog is just. <laughs> Nikki. There's something good going on outside. Hush. Nikki is after. Nikki, hush. Come on. Does Nikki like to communicate with the dogs in the neighborhood? Um, there's some dogs on our corner that are pretty vocal. So if she hears them barking, then she's like, oh, something must be up. And, but otherwise it's pretty much just like if somebody's at the door I think and then when they're barking, hey, you get over here. Come on. <laughs> you get over here right now. Dogs and babies are so funny to me. Just jumped right on up here. Hi, jumped right on up here. I like Nikki. She's a cute girl. She's a little Boston Terrier. No, she's a Yorkie. She's a, yeah, Yorkie-Maltese um, mix. Dogs and toddlers and babies are the same to me because, like, right now, Sunny's eight years old, and she is literally crawling like a machine but she just crawls anywhere and she just grabs anything and she just like anything happening she's just going for it there she is like she doesn't even know what she's going for but if it's sparking her interest game on and that's how dogs are too i feel like dogs when they hear anything or anything perks up they're just like head first diving into it but they have no idea what they're running into or what they're barking at well and and sunny especially when you're at home she's been she's been looking at all of these things around her for what seven six seven months now and now she can finally she has the muscle strength to like investigate yeah. so she's probably like so this is what 
is around that corner or this is what it sounds yes. like when I, you know, slap my hand against this countertop or whatever. <laughs> like, so just, true. Who knows what their little brains come up with, but like they have so much time to just observe that once they can actually move, they're probably like rock on. Amen. Like, let's see what's happening out here. Yeah. So, talk to me about how you got to New York City because I love your journey. You are an NYC big city girl, but you weren't from New York City. You're from where? Um, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Oh, yeah, Dad, I knew that because we're Texas girls. Right. Waco, Texas, Houston, Texas. Um, so, the story of how I got to New York was, it's so random and just one of those, like, God presented an opportunity type things, and it wasn't necessarily packaged like the opportunity that it was going to be. Um, it kind of Which evolved is, into that. Which is life in general, right? Yes, for sure. Um, I was living in the Heights, which is an area of Houston, um, and a sorority sister of mine called me and basically just said, hey, my boss needs a babysitter tonight. Are you free? They happen to live in the subdivision, like behind Uptown Park, which is in the Galleria area, if you're familiar with Houston. And it was a night where it was like a Monday or a Tuesday. I had nothing going on, like no plans to go to the gym, like whatever. So I was like, sure. Um, you know, definitely was not balling by any means. <laughs> like every, every additional dollar was, um, was welcomed at that time in life for sure. Um, so I went to their house and, you know, it was a standard babysitting gig. The kids were like basically asleep at that point and it was just kind of tucking them in and then watching TV for a couple of hours and making sure they were safe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, standard babysitting gig, they paid me, I left and that was it. Um, a couple months later, uh, the wife called me directly and she was like, Hey, do you, do, would you be able to babysit again tonight? Like you babysat for a couple months ago and, um, we're in a bind. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Um, and this time it was a Friday night. And I think that I maybe had some loose plans to go out with friends, but it was nothing. There's no like occasion. It was just kind of, a, you know, a run of the mill Friday night. So, um, I went to their house to babysit and she, the wife was talking in the, in the kitchen and she was just like, thank you so much for this last minute. Um, we have an event tonight and we, it's kind of hard to keep track of our schedules because, um, we're about to move to New York and just, there's a ton of things that we can't keep track of because life is just a little crazy right now. And I was like, totally, I get it. No problem. Um, and she was like, well, what do you do? Do you, I need an assistant. Like when we move to New York, like, what do you do here? Would you, would you want to move to New York and be my assistant? Like second, I know that, second babysitting date. She's already <laughs> asking you to move in. <laughs> 100%. And I know that I'm saying this in this like very nonchalant, like easy breezy way. And that you're probably like, it didn't happen like that. It 100% happened like that. She barely was knew you. We talk about it all the time, um, of how like easy breezy it was. And 
then her husband came in and he was like, well, let's like regroup once we come back from our event. Like if you have a, a couple, if you have a 30 minutes, an hour or whatever, once were you we gonna get live, back. Were you going to live with them? We hadn't talked about all that yet, but. <laughs> I mean, you barely know each other. Um, basically, they came back at the end of the night. What was that? I said, well, you barely know each other at this point. So how could you have talked about it yet? Uh, 100%. We, we were strangers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you just have a feeling about people. And I knew that my sorority sister had worked for her. And they got along. And she'd worked for her for several years. So there, there was that point of connection there that kind of put me at ease immediately. Um, and... Yeah, so they came back at the end of the night. They kind of explained to me what the job or the opportunity would consist of. I would move to New York with them. Um, I would live basically in the space above their apartment that it connected to their apartment. And I would kind of just be their assistant, home manager. Um, they had two daughters that were six and four at the time. So there was a little bit of like babysitter kind of built into the framework of, of the, of basically the setup of how they were going to be living and the fact that we were working from their house. Um, yeah. And then just like pay and travel. And, you know, we talked about all of those little nuances and that was a Friday night. Um, I told them I would basically get back to them on Sunday after I talked to my parents. Um, and I went to brunch with my parents and told them that this was an opportunity that I feel like I wanted to take and that I wanted to do and pursue. And they were super supportive. I had never been to New York a single day in my entire life. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the appeal, the like sparkly nature of living in New York had always been something that, or living anywhere other than Houston, Texas had always been appealing, but getting up and moving is not, it's not for everyone. Like I'm the type of person that, um, not that I'm scared to t go on an adventure and take an opportunity, but like, especially with New York, finding an apartment, finding a job, like those hurdles would probably have kept me from ever making that leap. Um, and so they were being handed to me on a platter, like, here's where you would live. Here's, here's what your job would be. Here's what you would be paid. And the fact that they already had, roots in Houston and I knew that they would be back there eventually um because this was kind of like a one-year gig like they were moving up there for a year and then coming back um it was like all my potential worries were kind of already answered for me and, and also are you you graduated college at this point yes so you're probably yes. like in a place where you you're not in your, you're not in a serious career yet because you've just graduated. So you've got some room to wiggle on like, you like all locked down into some career yet. You're still super young and like the world is your oyster and you have a support system in New York, which is like New York can be overwhelming and New York can be the loneliest place on earth if you move there and you don't know anyone and you're like completely isolated and broke as so many people are because New York is so expensive like it can be a very very lonely place so that's probably a really fun way to do it because you're young you're single it's wide open but yet you have this safe place to fall back on yeah um 
they are a very vibrant, um, energetic family. And, um, you know, it was long hours and there were some boundaries of like, you know, what time do we start? When am I off the clock? Cause I live here, you know, kind of things. <laughs> you, um, it was probably a new day. Like every day was different. A hundred percent. Um, and they had daughters who I loved and, um, you know, looked up to me like a sister and, you know, maybe they wanted me to read them a bedtime story or be there for bath time. And it was like, ah, like as much as I wanted to do those things, I also was like, I kind of want to get out and explore or do a workout or go to a movie or, you know, something to regain that normalcy of, of work life, um, personal life balance. Right. Um, so that was tricky at times, but overall, um, you know, we got in a groove and, and we figured it out. Um, but the lonely piece that you mentioned, I mean, I think that's inevitable. I don't think anyone who's ever lived in New York, um, can honestly say that they didn't have bouts with loneliness just because especially moving there. Um, I, I knew a handful of people from different aspects of life, whether it was college or middle school or, or what have you, but no one that I would say that I was like very, very close with people that I maybe had a close relationship at one time, but maybe it had faded or, or whatever. Um, I am sorry. The dog <laughs> is still barking and I don't know how loud it is, but it's annoying. Okay. Well, we're going to, take a wine break. So all you guys listening, whether it's time for coffee, whether it's time for a big glass of water or whether it's time for wine, let's let this be the moment to take a sip. I'm raising my glass to you guys and my sip. And wow, this Gothic cab is delicious. <laughs> it's so good. What brand of wine is it? It's Apothic cab. I mean, this is Apothic. It is like I think it costs $10 from the grocery store. I don't hate it. I mean, I don't love it, but I ain't mad about it. I'm drinking it, like you said. Um, picking up on that. I will say that people in New York get a bad rap for being rude or short. Um, and look, of course, you're going to run into that there because I think you can run into that anywhere. Um, there are people having bad days in every city <laughs> in the United States of America and across the world. So that's, that's just part of, of life. Um, but I, ha I had some of the like most unique fun connections with complete strangers, um, in New York. One instance that stands out to me is it was like a Friday night, um, I needed that work personal life balance, um, that day in particular. And a friend of mine was like very obsessed with the twilight series. And I had never read a book. I didn't really know anything about it at all, quite honestly, but it had just come out and she was like, I think you'd like it. Like even without knowing, you know, the bits and pieces of what makes the story, I think you'll enjoy it. So I was like, cool. Um, went to the Union Square movie theater on 14th Street and bought a ticket to see Twilight. And I walked into the movie theater. I don't know if this was the first movie that I ever saw by myself, but 
Was that kind of like, did you kind of have to like gear yourself up for that? Like, or were you excited? Oh, uh, probably a little bit of both. I think I was kind of like, what am I doing? I've never gone to a movie by myself, but like, this is normal. People in New York do this. Like this. And this also just... there's a sense of freedom when you're like brand new in a city and nobody knows you. It's like, you almost have this free hall pass. Cause like when I moved to Austin, Texas, I, I, I lived in Nashville, moved to Austin for a minute. Like for a second, like I knew a lot of people, but also like you have this free hall pass to kind of be invisible for a second and like start over and be whatever you want to be because you don't have all of these people who are in your little network community that you've built over all these years. It's like, okay, I can kind of do anything I want and no one cares, <laughs> but I mean, no for sure ever, but like really no one even knows you at that point. Right. And I feel like in, you know, whatever it is, sex in the city or Seinfeld or friends name any New York sitcom like they'll walk past the movie theater and they'll just be like should we should we see the, should we do it at the 4 30 and I'm, I think I thought when I was watching those shows like does no one does that no one just walks past the movie theater and goes in because you know it's it's 4 15 and why not but like it really does <laughs> you you will look up at the marquee and you'll be like I could see the new James Bond in 20 Why minutes. Not? Why not? Yeah. Like I'll get a popcorn <laughs> um, and call it dinner. Yeah. So I go into twilight. I find a seat. There's, um, I think it was just like a single seat essentially like near the end of a row. And there were four or five girls sitting next to me that clearly were friends and had, and showed up together and also clearly were invested in the Twilight <laughs> series. Oh, yeah, because those people who are invested in those kind of things are diehards. They, yes, they knew their stuff, for yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of listening to their conversation and eavesdropping. Um, <laughs> and probably not, not so silly because they you know, we're like, Hey, what, what's your name? Like, what are you, <laughs> are you here by yourself? And I was like, great. They know I'm here by myself. Um, I was like, yeah, I've, I was like, I'm not, I don't really know about this whole twilight thing, but I'm, you know, here to check it out and whatever. So long story long, we watched the movie and afterwards we kind of chat about it and we're walking out of the theater together and they're like, one of the girls, her name was Russell. I remember very wow. Russell, yeah. That's a cool name for a girl. Yeah. She lives in South Carolina now. Um, she was like, hey, I'm, this might be weird, but you're cool. And do you like, do you want to hang out with us like in the future? And I was like, yeah, sure. I would love to. You're like, I'm um, actually shopping for friends right now. So that's <laughs> great. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm available for friendship actually. So this is great. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we exchanged numbers and um, I mean, to this day, I pretty much still follow all of them on Instagram. One of the girls works for, um, I believe it's UNICEF and she and her husband actually live in Nashville now. I've seen her at the yoga studio. Like we'll, we'll exchange DMs on Instagram and text messages occasionally. Um, so awesome. yeah, it's just, it's such a small world. This is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. That's freaking awesome. And so did y'all kind of hang out? Yeah, we would do, like, we would go to house parties together or, um, you know, bars in Alphabet City. I was living kind of in the East Village area, and they pretty much, I think, for the most part, all lived in the East Village as well. So it, it worked out, and it was awesome. What is it like? Okay, because this, I feel like so many people have this dream mm-hmm. to be young, old, <laughs> beautiful and have a banging job i mean yes you got some boundary issues you got to figure out every now and then but who doesn't have that with anything in new york city with no real responsibilities living the dream quote unquote tell me what that fantasy is actually like in reality um I would say the fantasy part of it didn't happen for me until a few years later when I had like gotten some roots and understood the city a little bit better and had made a broader friend group um, and was honestly just in town more. Because that first year I was working a lot and also traveling quite a bit. So I just, I felt like New York didn't necessarily even feel like home at that point because it was, life was kind of all over the place. Um, I always say about New York that it's, it takes a certain type of person to thrive there. Um, Just kind of a roll with the punches, figure it out type mentality and I think whether that whether you gear towards that or not you you pick up elements of that regardless because it's just the city kind of forces it upon you um but 
everybody only has so much like emotional bandwidth in a day and it varies per person. But once you hit the end of that emotional bandwidth, whatever yours is, the smallest, most insignificant thing can just throw you into a, a fit of tears or a fit of rage or whatever, whatever way you skew with emotion, whether it's anger or sadness or anything in between. Um, yeah, you just, some days are, some days you're fine and you don't, you don't even come close to hitting the end of that bandwidth. And some days you hit it and there's no turning back and you're just an emotional wreck. Um, and any, anything can like send you off, like missing a subway train because the door is closed in your face and you like really needed to make that train or like one of the straps on your laundry basket breaks and you're two blocks from home and you're like, how am I going to figure this? <laughs> like, should I just leave it here? I'm sure someone can use these clothes. Like I'm done. Cause you don't um, have a washer and dryer in your apartment. No, I mean, you might have one in your building, but it's rare to have one in your like actual unit. So um, do you have to reserve a time to wash your clothes? Or like, what if you show up with your big laundry ba basket with a broken strap and then there's seven people in front of you? What do you do? Um, so you, you take it to a laundromat, um, and you can do it yourself or you can take it to a laundromat where they do everything for you. It's called a wash and fold. Um, so if you take it to the wash and fold, they just give you a time when it's going to be ready, usually 5 PM that day. Um, depending on what time you arrive that morning. Um, or if it, if they're super slammed, they might tell you, oh, it won't be ready till tomorrow and whatever, figure, you know, you figure it out. Um, I tended to go to the wash and folds as opposed to like sitting in the laundromat and doing it myself. Um, until I got to the level of living in a building that actually had a, a washer dryer in the basement. Um, and in that case, if all the washers and dryers are being used, then you just go back to your apartment and wait it out. Um, it's not a complicated system and there's no like put your name on the board and people honor that. Like if there's an empty washer and nobody's there, they're taking the empty washer. It's so crazy because New York is so expensive to live in. Like it costs so much money to live in New York. And even when you're like filthy rich, you're still like not having tons and tons of space. So it's like so crazy because everybody wants to live in New York, but yet when you live there, all of these things that we all rely on for just necessities of life, like having a washer and dryer in your house and having a car and having a yard. And I mean, not everyone has that, but like a lot of us can, a lot of us can assume that that's normal, that we can have, right. those things. but you can't have that in New York at all, really. But I think is what's the intrigue of New York is the intrigue of New York that it's just where everything is happening. There's such a heartbeat there. Like everything happens in New York. Is that why people want to be there? Um, it does, it has this energy about it. Like you could, you could spend the entire day, for example, like on a Saturday, I never really, from the point where like, I woke up to whatever I may have planned that night, like I would never really make plans for those, whatever it was, 12 hours. I would kind of just wake up and see where the day took me because I knew it was always going to take me somewhere fun and exciting and different. Um, so like 
maybe I start with a coffee and maybe then I go to the gym and past that I would probably just like walk the streets for a couple of hours maybe meet up with a friend for a meal or for a drink or whatever and it I mean it just has the best people watching um window shopping actual shopping <laughs> um just all of it there's just like kind of a magic about it all and um well and that's I think also that what you said too like there's all those little it's divided into all this is what like seven or nine areas I don't know how many oh the different boroughs the boroughs and every yeah. borough is like a whole another experience it's like you're in a whole nother country and so that's another cool thing like you can basically take a trip around the world in one night in New York even even just the different neighborhoods within the confines of Manhattan like they all kind of bring a different energy about them um but yeah, on the weekends, I would just, it was kind of a rule where I was like, I don't take the subway on weekends because I have time and why not walk? Um, so unless it was something crazy where I was going to like 225th street and I was on first street, like I'm not going to walk that because just, it's not efficient, <laughs> but, um, otherwise I'm, yeah, just like using my body to get around and exercise and see the world and all of that was just it was very intriguing okay so two questions about new york and then i want to talk about nashville for sure what did new york teach you about life mm -hmm. and how did you know it was time to say goodbye to new york life um i think going back to that like it just gives you this like figure it out, grit, savvy mentality, um, that I think I already had elements of that. Um, but I think New York turned it up a notch. Um, and I think that I've continued to carry that with me, even in a city like Nashville that, um, you know, is evolving by the day, but I think I could figure things out here in a way or with an approach that, maybe someone that hasn't lived in New York, it wouldn't occur to them or, or they just, the approach that I would take to get it done. Um, you really can't take stuff too personal in New York probably because it's moving so fast. There's so much happening. Like you can't sit around and I don't mean, I don't know. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess yeah, you, can, you, you can always take anything personal anywhere you are. <laughs> right. um, so that was a bunch of yeah, bullshit. What I, think, I just said, totally ignore. I think, I mean, I think what you're, I think what I'm understanding from what you're saying is kind of New York gives you this, like, let it roll off your back mentality. And I, yes, a hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I think New York just kind of makes you savvy and on your toes. Well, and because, fast because like you can walk into a diner and someone could be in a bad mood and like somebody could like yell at you or say something or you walk down a street and people are going to people are aggressive or upset or whatever. Like nobody hides their feelings in New York. And so that is one thing I love about New York is mm -hmm. yes, it's a lot coming at you all the time, but it's also real and honest because everybody, like you said, emotional bandwidth. I loved that perspective. I've never really heard that before. And I love that people are probably stretched to the extreme of their emotional bandwidth all the time. And there's so many people there like at that extreme that everybody's just real and they don't even try to put fluff on it. And 
that has to be like refreshing on one hand and probably frustrating on the other, but nice just to live for a time in your life in a place that's just as real and honest as it can be. Yes. Um, I can't specifically remember any instance where somebody like flipped me the bird or said something <laughs> rude or mean to me where it like actually hurt my feelings. I think by the time any of that happened, I was probably like able to laugh it off because who knows what happened in their day? Like who knows how I would react to the littlest thing, you know, inconveniencing me, you know, based on whatever has happened over the course of the hours since they woke up or, you know, that week or that month or whatever. So, I mean, people do crazy things and we regret them sometimes and other times we don't. And regardless of whether it's regrettable or not, it's a, small piece, it's a small piece of your day and you can't let it ruin um, your full day. Yeah, you can't let it ruin your full day. And the more time you let it weigh on you, the more hours, minutes, seconds that it's, you know, you're wasting, I guess, when you could be in a good mood. Okay, dropping the mic. That's some profound wisdom right there, Jackie. <laughs> so you um, just roll. Like, you can't get hung up on the stupidest little things. And if someone kind of was, like, short with you, who cares? Like, it's their day, not yours. Like, don't take it personal. For sure. But yeah, I think, I think you just nailed it. Like in New York, you can't take much personally because you just don't know where that person's coming from, but that applies to life in general. So, but so many of us take so many things personal because I don't know why, but like when, yeah, like we, it's so easy to take so much personal, but I love that. Like New York is such a melting pot and such a mixing bowl of life that it's like, we literally have no idea. Like it's not like when you live in a community and you know everyone and everyone's like up in each other's grill all the time, it's so much easier to take stuff personal. But when you are just meeting all different walks of life from everywhere on the everywhere around the world all the time, mm -hmm. you just can't take it personal because you have no idea their heritage, their history, their backstory, what's going on in their day. Like we don't you'll never you'll never know. And so you just have to let it go. Let it go. Okay. I love that. Tell me how you decided to move to Nashville and why you decided to say goodbye to New York. Okay. Um, this is going to be a long answer. Um, but so when I was growing up, there was this movie called the thing called love and it was with river Phoenix and Sandra Bullock and all of these people that ended up being, um, you know, stars um, and it was a movie about the Bluebird Cafe and these singer-songwriters who moved here to chase their dream. And I never had a dream <laughs> to be a singer-songwriter, but there was just something about this movie that I just connected with. Like, something about the movie and the city of Nashville in general. I mean, I grew up a country music fan through my parents. Um, but there's something about that movie that's just always like stuck with me. And it was like the movie that I would force my friends to watch at sleepovers. And they were like, why are we watching this? And I was like, it's great. Um, but yeah, so 
there was that seed that was planted in me from like a young age. And when I was ready to leave New York, it was a culmination of many things. Um, I had been in my role at my job for five years at that point, um, which I thought you was said kind of going to stay there for a year. Um, so after they moved back, I stayed and, um, I worked for the husband's company for a year and a half, maybe two years. And then I started interviewing to like, see what my next opportunity would be. Okay. And, um, that's when I had an opportunity to interview for, um, Bob Pittman at iHeartMedia, who um, <clears throat> has had an amazing track record of success, um, self-made, was the CEO of MTV. He worked for, he's been a high up at AOL Time Warner and Six Flags and Century 21 and has just basically had his hand in many different businesses and has an amazing resume of accomplishments. Um, so I, I interviewed to be one of his assistants and I, I remember coming out of the first interview and thinking, I am not qualified for this. Like, I'm, I can't even believe they interviewed me because I am so unqualified for this. So shocker, they called me back in for a second interview when I was like, I, I have no idea why, but I will, but I will go. Um, and I think it was the third interview where I, I actually sat down with Bob himself and there was just this calm about it. Like Isn't that crazy the, sitting down with Bob Pittman. Yeah. I mean, You're nervous. I think I was, but you know, when someone just says something that it just puts you completely at ease and it wasn't even, it wasn't even that I think he meant to put me at ease with this comment because it was very, um, you wouldn't have found on his Wikipedia page, but it just so happens that like one of the colleges that I had a stint at um, and played soccer for a bit, he had also like done a few semesters there. But again, that's like not something that you would know about someone that has a list of a million accomplishments. Like they're not going to tell you about the one time he went to Oakland University for and took a couple classes. Um, so yeah, when he came into the room to sit down and talk to me, he like kind of opened with that and I was like oh like does, does that mean that he like read your resume and knew about you so he was looking for a common ground with you I think it was just something on my resume that stood out as he was walking into the room but you um, appreciate that he noticed that kind of stuff oh for sure like it it immediately put me at ease and I honestly I just felt very comfortable talking to him um and they ended up offering me the job and although there was tons that I was going to have to learn to be any good at it, it, it just, something about it seemed right. And I was attracted to the level of success that he had achieved and just being around someone that had amassed the knowledge that of course he has, you know, throughout his lifetime. Um, so I did that job for five years, kind of working my way up the ranks. Um, eventually being kind of his lead assistant. Um, and yeah, I mean, when I turned 
I think 31, 32, I just kind of decided that I'd been in New York for eight years and I'd worked for him for five. And I was just at a point where I was ready to like check off some new boxes of, of things that I hope to accomplish in my life, like own a home or have a better work-life balance. Um, and just experience a new city, something that I, 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 I perceived Nashville to be kind of a hybrid of my Southern roots and like the, the Texas piece, um, with kind of that hip, fresh nature of New York. Um, did it, and again, did, the, did that, um, did it, did it match your thoughts? Not I would say initially probably no, but within the first year it caught up so quickly that now it's like so hip. I can't even, I can't even keep up. <laughs> um, and I don't try to keep up, but, um, I just, I love it. I love everything about it. Um, I had an amazing opportunity when I had, I was, I had lived here for about two, three months, I believe. Um, and Leslie Simon, who used to work for Sony um, and had just started with um, Pearl Records, working for Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood, she invited me to a charity event at the Bluebird. And if you've seen the movie, The Thing Called Love, the Bluebird is like... Your dream is coming true because you've watched this movie with all your friends. The Bluebird is it. And I was so nervous about going there because I was like, oh my gosh, what if it's not everything that I've always wanted it to be? Well, that's um, true. Like they say, don't meet your heroes and don't meet your favorite bar because it might let you down. Yes. And so I was like, I don't know, I guess today's the day. Like tonight's the night. I'm doing it. We're, I'm going on a date with the bluebird. <laughs> what did you wear? Tell me what you wore. Oh, uh, I honestly, whatever I wore to work that day, like it was very, it was like a same day kind of quick decision. Okay, I didn't situation. know if you had a bluebird outfit plan that you'd had saved in your closet for six years or something. I probably do, but <laughs> it, it was not a lot. I couldn't wear it that night. I had to, I had to wear whatever I was wearing, probably something black, honestly. Um, <laughs> so we get there and, um, we're, we're kind of on that second tier of tables. It wasn't in the round. Um, so I, I can still go back and have a fresh feeling with an in the round experience, but, um, we were on like this thing. People might not know what in the round means. Mm -hmm. Explain what in the round means at the Bluebird Cafe. So my understanding of it is that the, or the way I've seen it on television is that the group of songwriters are all kind of facing each other in a circle in the middle of the room and the tables are then dispersed around them. Um, so there, it's not like a stage that you're looking up at. You're kind of looking into the center. Yeah. Is and then all the songwriters take turns and play original songs. And a lot of the, th a lot of the songs that we hear on the radio from hit, hit artists mm -hmm. not write that song or they wrote it with songwriters who are hit songwriters. And then these hit songwriters get to tell you their story and how the song came about and their spin on it and how it all happened. And sometimes these stories are crazy. Like you hear crazy stories of how songs became hits and you, they tell the stories as well as play the songs. And it's awesome. Yes. And you were there. 
and I was there. And so we're sitting in, in what I'll call the second row. Um, and it's Victoria Shaw and Ken Blazy and two other songwriters that all, all four of them have. Well, Victoria um, Shaw was the person I interned for. for I know. My whole I know. In Nashville before I, I know. Anything. And so, and I knew of her. Um, She's a great. Yeah, I, I was new to Nashville, so like Isn't all she of these such names, a great entertainer. She's such she's a great amazing. entertainer. She's amazing. She's so oh, good. She was she was fantastic. Um, so all four songwriters that are on stage um, have a relationship with Garth, have written songs with Garth, and so they go down the line and they each play their song and they're like, you know, this is. Um, this is the river and I wrote it with Garth on this day and here's kind of how it all went down. And, um, you know, we started with this little lyric and then it evolved into this and it's just a beautiful, I mean, I just, I'm a geek for that kind of stuff. So she tells the story and then she plays the song and they go down the line and they all do the same. And, um, and if, if the night had been exactly like that, and they had just gone down the line a couple of times and told stories and sang songs, I would have been in heaven and it, I, it would have been the best night of my life. But then they go through like one time and they all play their song and then Garth comes out and he gets up on stage with Stop. them and Stop. kind of, oh, you know, was he there. takes a back seat. He, Garth was there. And he takes a back seat, like he lets them do their thing and tell their stories, but, um, you know, sings harmonies or plays, you know, guitar licks to, um, amplify the sound. Um, yeah. And they just go, they went through like two, maybe three more times and sang, you know, all the best ones, you know, if tomorrow never comes and friends in low places and just all the, all the great songs from the nineties. I, I basically was, weeping <laughs> nonstop like every napkin at the table was basically used as a tissue for my tears um I was just in awe of of all of it um heck of a way to start your experience in Nashville literally I mean can, I, with that being the first can I ever go back to the bluebird I'm still not sure <laughs> no, no you probably should just let that be your memory I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still willing to go back, but it's a hell of a first memory. <laughs> um, and then just to round out the night, um, and just to layer in like the Garth significance. I mean, everybody has, I think Garth significance. He's such a, a massive artist of our time, but, um, he's just like, he's one of the reasons that I was attracted to country music. Like my parents, were very into his catalog so that was like kind of the soundtrack of my youth and to the point where and I, I tell this to everyone but like whatever shirt Garth was wearing on his most recent album cover like that's what I wanted to get my dad for Father's Day like that <laughs> we were at that level of like Garth obsession so um, needless to say, after this was all said and done, I called my dad and I was like weeping into the phone about like how special the night was. Like I literally almost cry every time I talk about it. I'm like almost crying right now. Um, but at the end of the night, um, I, 
I forget the name of the songwriter, but he has since passed away and his lovely wife was in the crowd, um, just kind of taking in the night and they had a guitar, um, hung up on the wall that was kind of in remembrance of him and his basically the role that he played in, um, crafting so many of the songs that they sang that night. So at the end of the night, everybody's kind of shuffling out because the tables are very close together and, you know, it takes a while to file out and she's like crossing my path and I step back and let her, let her pass me and we just kind of make eye contact and she was like, wasn't that just the most special thing you've ever seen? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was like, now I'm weeping again because this woman who was married to someone that was like a piece of the Garth like core, who's probably seen, who knows, like had a million so special experiences that involved those people and those songs. And like for her to like acknowledge that that night was just super special. I was just like, I, I can't, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I was, emotionally my my emotional bandwidth was out and I was just a weeping mess but the best kind so you have had a lot uh well not a lot but like several substantial life-changing moments that have happened to you a from like your opportunity from randomly babysitting to moving to New York that like changed the trajectory of your life to then yes. your assistant job that was a huge job to then moving to Nashville and going to the Bluebird, having Garth there. And then we'll get into really quickly. And then we're going to have to wrap, wrap up because I will talk to you all night. Like, dang, the wine is flowing and I am ready to keep talking. <laughs> woo, woo. But like now you are like, you are also the right hand girl to the head of iHeart Country. Like you have something about you that is so, okay. And I think I met that when I first met you, I felt this. You have a way about you that you are so capable to handle everything. Even if you don't know what you're doing yet, you are that person that I feel like I have confidence you will figure it out. And not only will you figure it out, once you figure it out, you're going to be freaking great at it. And you're going to like really take this bull by the horns and you're going to rock it. And that is what comes across with you. It's like, you might not have the knowledge yet, but you are the kind of person that can get the knowledge, learn the knowledge, and then you kick ass. And I think people see that. I think people see that in you. And that's why you've had all these amazing opportunities in your life. And like why you work with all these really amazing people is because these people who are like running major shit in the world, they don't want just anybody as their right-hand person. They need someone who can handle it. Like it's a big job. You do big jobs for people. Well, thank you for saying all that. Um, it's, I feel like incredibly blessed to be in this role and get to do something that I'm passionate about on a daily basis. It, truly does not feel like work most of the time because I care. Um, I care about the artists and the projects. And I was, I was dr driving with um, uh, John Loba the other day for 
I forget where we were going, but um over for everyone who is wondering runs Broken Bow, which is a big record label. Jason Aldean's on it. Yes. And he's just the most down to earth big wig you've ever met. Love John. And he's he's crazy and hilarious and the best. Um but we were just talking and I was like this happens to be one of his artists, but it wasn't um it was just the example that you know, came to mind at the moment, but we were just talking about like songs and, you know, this dream that people chase that we are fortunate to play a part in, um, and helping them achieve it. And, um, the song that we were talking about was, it was Jimmy Allen and Best Shot who, um, you know, it was, a I don't know how many weeks it took for that song to get to number one, but, not only did it hit number one, but I think it held it for two weeks, which is not easy um, at this format. And um, to have your debut song num go number one is also not easy. And um, we were basically just talking about him and that song. And I was just like, I was like, John, I still hear that song on the radio. And like, it brings me to tears. Like, I'm just so happy for him. And like the fact that like his dream has been achieved, like, he sat in a writing room one day and wrote this song and had this dream and has had this dream probably forever. And the fact that like, he, you know, gets a plaque and his name and forever, that song will be a number one song and no one can take it away from him. And God willing, it becomes a gold song that we hear for the rest of our lives. And, and you know, gold it's, song means it sells half a million. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah. And then it just, it has good enough research that it, continues to like get played on your local radio station um but yeah um and he was like he was like see you care you care and that's the reason you're good at this and and I think that has a big um a big role in people being good at what they do is it not it's not just being work but like it being um you know a passion project and I know that that doesn't apply to everyone like maybe you're an accountant and you're just an accountant because you're good with numbers like maybe you're not passionate about numbers but you're really great with numbers um but i just feel so fortunate to be in an industry where people are just human beings and raw and real and friendly and um and yeah that i can play even the smallest role in helping an artist, you know, have their dreams come true. Okay, so I'm gonna work towards the end of this conversation. I have a few more questions I wanna ask you. I wanna keep okay. a lot of questions I wanna ask you, but I'm gonna consolidate them. Yes. I think this is such an interesting perspective that you have because you are on the label, the industry side, the other side of what the public hears on the radio like the public hears jason aldean singing she thinks my tractor sexy and all they know is they love that song and they love jason aldean they have no idea really i mean some people do but most people don't know that there's a whole record label there's a whole promotion staff there's a publicist there is and then outside of your label home which is like <laughs> get your songs out into the world. Then there's people like you who work for iHeart, which is one of, one of the, maybe is the 
largest radio, I don't even know how to describe iHeart. Like it's just houses all the radio stations basically in the world. There's like iHeart and Cumulus and one more, right? Um, iHeart, Cumulus and Intercom are probably the three biggest, um, but especially at the country format, iHeart um, controls the, the, the biggest chunk of the chart essentially. Um, and this means like in comparison. So like radio stations across the country are like an iHeart station or they're a Cumulus station. And that means like, yes, they are your station in your hometown and your city, but they are owned by a larger company, which is iHeart. And so you are the right hand girl for the head of iHeart country. That's a right. job. Rod Phillips, like that's who you work for directly. And like he is deciding what songs are happening, what's going, I mean, he has huge decisions and you are like right there with him. And I just think that what, to be good at your job, like you're saying, you have to have passion, you have to care. How do you view it? Because like artists, you have all these artists and they're just all in their heads all the time. And they're like, you know, they're creating this art and they're like in turmoil and like they're putting their whole souls out there and their whole beings out there. But yet, it's also a business and you're more on the business side. So talk to me about that. Like, how do you view it? Because I think probably artists view it differently than the other side views it. Cause it's totally two different mindsets in a way. Does that make any sense? Yes. Okay. Uh, but she thinks my tractor sexy is Kenny Chesney, right? Oh, you met, met big green, big green, you met big green tracker. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. See, look, you know everything. Um, gosh, it is such a complicated. I mean, you nailed it. Like, there are so many factors that go into hearing a song on the radio. It is, it is not as simple as I once thought it was as a six-year-old child just like singing along to. Winona Judd or Brooks and Dunn like I had no clue and um and everything's changed in the last 10 years with the you know um with streaming services coming about and having all this data coming at us from every which way and learning how to process that and um blending that with um with the data that people have relied on for, for years and years. Um, and then trying to make the best decision for your radio station, for your listener, um, to curate a great listening experience and something that people want to tune in for again and again, day after day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's complicated and there's certainly projects that I'm passionate about that, um, that are not getting radio airplay and, you know, maybe even artists that don't have a major label deal or even an independent label deal. Um, but, but that's a whole nother podcast. And, <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm truly just happy that there are so many outlets for, for new artists these days. Like, I mean, in 1991, you know, if you didn't have a big label deal or you didn't have like a you know a following in you know we being from texas we obviously know like the texas country artists that that are maybe getting airplay within the state of texas or you know potentially oklahoma and some of the the states that border texas um and those artists can make a killing on touring but they may never have national radio success just because again that team factor like 
it takes so many people to, you know, be passionate about what they're doing to get a song played on the radio or, you know, even to get a song playlisted on hot country or, or, you know, within Apple music or Pandora, um, it truly takes a village. And, um, I have more respect for artists than I ever did before. I mean, I always respected them for the craft and like the dedication and the vocal. Um, but more so now, you know, seeing the backside of it, I'm just inspired every day by the work ethic and the dedication and the showing up and the being away from your families and living on a tour bus and, you know, having to like be an adult and take care of yourself and take care of this, this voice that you've been God given and making sure that it sounds the best it can. Um, you know, as you travel around the world, getting on stage every night, making people smile and cry and laugh and whatever else. Um, it's just, it's amazing. And they deserve so much credit. But you know, likewise, you guys on the other side deserve so much credit too, because you have to have both sides. If you don't, I mean, you don't have to have both sides if you don't care about like radio success or like the bigger spectrum of it. But like, if you're cool, just like being a live touring artist, that's great. And that's a great, like you said, that's a great profession. A lot of Texas artists do it. Once Corona lives, hopefully everything can <laughs> go back to normal because we miss right. all of that so much. Yeah. If you really want to have radio success and want to have like hit songs that impact on a big level you can't just be a good singer with good songs with a vibe you have got to have the support you have to like it takes a village and i just think it's so cool like i think it's so cool to see success stories happen because it is literally like magic happens when something when a hit song happens on country radio or when an artist breaks it is so much more than just that song and that artist. It is this village and this team of people who have poured their blood, sweat, tears, talent, energy, and hearts into something. And it's like, it is such a team effort. And I think it is so cool because isn't life so much more fun when it's all, when everybody's all in and you got a group behind it. Like it's a community. Yeah. It's awesome. It builds like relationships and bonds and just, I don't know. I just think it's, honestly magical there are no overnight successes um everybody that has achieved even the slightest amount of success at their craft has been grinding it out for forever um and i think i think that's the beauty of like this world and this age that we're living in where we have platforms like podcasts to share long-form stories and like hearing about you know, the trials and tribulations of someone and like the 500,000 times that they wanted to quit, but like something in them just said, no, like this is what you're born to do. Like it's inspiring. It's amazing. And, um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy for the people that have achieved the successes that they have and happy for the ones that will soon achieve future successes. Um, and have yeah. you for being a badass behind it all that makes it all happen. Well, well a, a well, fraction of, of what happens, well, I, I might be responsible for, but. But while teaching us all to breathe deeply and right. your shoulders. <laughs> right. As I've probably been hunched over this entire time. 
Okay. So a couple more questions. What do what I say? Not what I do. (laughs) Do what you do right now, which is drink that wine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Okay. A couple more questions. We're going to wrap up. What does success mean to you? Um, I think it's just waking up every day, excited about your place in the world and your contribution. Um, I've never been one of those people that wanted to have a ton of money. I always have just kind of wanted enough to be comfortable. Um, so for me, success doesn't really have like a monetary value, um, attached to it, but hopefully that thing that drives you and makes you wake up with a smile every day can also fulfill the, you know, financial, um, obligations of living a life that, that allows you to support yourself, um, with a roof over your head and food on the table and all of those things. Love that. Okay. Last question. Okay. <laughs> light. I knew this was coming because I am an avid listener. I know you text me about my podcast, which makes me feel good. You're like, Oh my God, I really love that podcast. with so-and-so and so-and-so because I have a lot of friends who listen in occasionally, but like, I feel like you listen, I mean, not all the time, but you'll let me know when you listen. And I appreciate that. I always think it's really nice. I can't uh, wait to be a mom in the future. And then, then I'll, I'll dig in all the mom chats and it'll be just like this wealth of knowledge. I'm just trying to give you all the information that I can gr- get my hands on. And that involves talking to myself sometimes. And that involves talking to <laughs> really amazing women and sometimes men and just gathering all their information, like talking to you today and hearing your story. I am like so super inspired because you've just like followed your passion. Let it, let, let the open doors lead you and you've just flowed and you've followed your intuition. And I feel like that is so much of life is just being willing to follow that flow. And you've done that. And that leads you to really, like you said, when you went to New York with your original job, you never knew in less than 10 years, you'd be working for the head of iHeart radio, you know, like, that wasn't in your plan, but because you followed these open doors, you've led, you've been led here. And I just think that is life. And you just have to trust that intuition and take those jumps when it feels right. And you can't really overanalyze it too much. And you've done that. And I love that. And so like, to me, I gain all sorts of knowledge by interviewing people like you and just hearing how you do it, how you go for it. And like, just like take the plunge, go for life and don't be stupid, but also don't be driven by fear and paralyzed by fear, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like we always ask kids, like, what do you want to be with when you grow up? And I think that question can be kind of daunting because like, who knows? so many of us don't know. Like, I'm like, uh, well, what are my options? <laughs> and nowadays, I mean, there's so many, like, you can't even count and it's constantly evolving. Like, if you told somebody in 1991 that they were going to be an influencer on, you know, on social media and that was going to be their bread and butter and that was going to be how they made their living, they'd be like, huh? Cause it didn't even exist. It didn't even exist. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I just know that when something feels right or the energy feels inspiring that like, 
that I'm going to chase that and see where it takes me. I love you, Jackie. You're so great. I'm so thankful you flowed into my life. I miss you. So leave your life. What do you want people to know? Um, well, first of all, I would just like to say that I feel like I have learned so many lessons from previous podcast guests and leave them leaving their light. So I love this feature. Um, and I don't know that I have anything super inspiring to say, um, other than kind of just what we've touched on throughout elements of this conversation, but like give grace, be kind. Um, I came across this little quote, um, meme, whatever graphic on Instagram, um, that I will read to you because I wrote it down. Um, it says, says, um, go to sleep with a clean heart, forgive others, including yourself. And I want to focus on that last piece. Cause like, I mean, look, forgiveness is easy on some days, harder on others. Um, but I feel like sometimes we forget to forgive ourselves. Um, I feel like some of that internal stuff is like what keeps you up at night. Everything from like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that to that person the way that I said it the other day. Um, and like beating yourself. You may have apologized in the moment, like immediately and been like, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I was taking something out on you. I'm, forgive me. But then like not forgiving yourself, like you harbor. Um, yeah, you just, yeah. Harbor, honestly, resentment at your own self. Um, so I've just been trying to do that more and more is at the end of the day, forgiving myself for whether it was something that continually comes up or something that happened, you know, in the course of my day or week or month, um, because it's in the past and all I can do is try to be better in my, you know, future communication and interaction and, um, and yeah. I love that. That some deep stuff right there. <laughs> Stolen from Instagram. Hey, if it's not on Instagram, did it really happen? It's, no. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I adore you. I love you. I am so glad we got to have this conversation recorded because you are such a just wealth of beautiful knowledge and wisdom and light and love and just following your heart and living life like you just embrace life and you're one of those people every time I see you I'm like yay Jackie's here like you're like the kind of person that you see and you're so happy to see and you just have a well I feel the same way about you you have a beautiful spirit and I'm happy to have you as a great bestie in my life and I love you so much so thank you for joining me same thanks for having me Okay, don't hang up. I'm going to end this conversation, but not end the video, but I'm just going to stop it. Okay, Okay. bye. Bye. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.